the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I know a place where we can go to lay the troubles down in your soul. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. Now, your host, Eric Cartier, Senior Pastor of Rocky Mountain Calvary Church. Like a tide, it is rising up deep inside a current that moves and makes it come alive. Welcome to Crosswalk Colorado Springs with Pastor Eric Cartier. Thank you so much uh, for joining me. Hope that you're doing well and having a great, great day. Just want to remind you, Crosswalk is Monday through Wednesdays from 5 to 6. It's a local show. Uh, We're focusing on Colorado Springs in Southern Colorado. I'm really excited about today's show. I have a good friend uh, with me. We get to co-pastor together at Rocky Mountain Calvary, Josh Shaskowski. He's our Ellicott campus pastor. Josh, thanks so much for joining us. How you doing? Thanks for having me, Eric. Uh, I'm doing well. Yeah. Good. Having a good day? Yeah, having a great day. Got to spend some time with my wife this morning and just, uh, yeah, having a good day. That's awesome. Well, we just want to get to know you a little bit better and then also hear about what God's doing in Ellicott. I'm sure there's some listeners that don't even know where Ellicott's at, but. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. So share with us a little bit about your background. Uh, How'd you grow up? How'd you come to know Christ? Sure. So, uh. I did not grow up in a Christian home. I grew up in uh, Arizona, and uh, my, I'm an army brat, but not in the traditional sense that we traveled all over the world. My dad was in the, the Arizona National Guard, and so we traveled all over the state of Colorado, of Arizona, um, but uh, not all over the world. And we started in Flagstaff and transitioned to Phoenix and then Tucson over some years. Okay. Um, probably grew up like a typical American child in the 1980s. We weren't destitute, but we were certainly poor. Hmm. Um, but as a kid, uh, we spent all the time growing up in the middle of the forest. I didn't know we were poor um, hmm. until I was older and shared the, the fact that I ate squirrel and rabbit for dinner. And people said, uh, that's rodents. That's weird. Now, wait um, a second. You <laughs> actually ate squirrel and it's good, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> Put some barbecue sauce on there. Oh, it goes in green chili stew. If you just ate it right. Right out, it would look like a like a rodent. But if you put it in stew, it's just regular old meat. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was a challenge, just economically. But you didn't realize it as a kid. But looking back, it was tight. Yeah, no idea economically that we were struggling at all. But uh, talking to my parents as as they're older, um, the sacrifices that they made for the family and the pennies that they pinched. And as an adult, you can look back and see, oh yeah, there was a lot of sacrifice happening, but. As kids, we just played and were free about it. Mm. Um, didn't know the Lord as a, as a child. And it wasn't until I came to Alamosa, Colorado in, uh, in college that I understood. Um, I went through high school and I had, a, I had an identity that was completely shaped by what I wanted to do. And that was athletics. And um, that's what I really poured myself into being a football player and a basketball player and a and a track athlete, um, that was the only thing I wanted to do. You were a three-sport athlete. 
I played three sports. Uh, I was much better in my mind than I was physically. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so I came to, came to Alamosa, Colorado in 1998 and started attending college there. Um, I was absolutely in love with the idea of leaving Arizona and going away to school. Hmm. Not that I had any desire to be anywhere in particular. I, it's just was impressed upon me that hmm. that's what you do. And so I pursued it. Yeah. 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 And so you showed up in Alamosa as a freshman, don't know the Lord. You know, where'd the story go from there? Yeah. So, uh, my identity was all shaped in athletics. So I thought the only way out of Arizona was to go play football somewhere. And so for years I lied and said that I got a college scholarship and went and played football in college, but no, I was a walk on at a small nowhere college that allowed anybody who tried out to come onto the team. Okay. (laughs) And, uh, we had a football practice my first summer. Uh, there we came three weeks before all the students came and we had practiced from 6 to 9 a.m., 12 to 3 p.m., and then 6 to 9 p.m. as well, three a days, nine hours a day. Wow. And uh, made it through the three weeks and thought, this is not for me. But I, was always, I always knew that you start, you don't quit. Okay. Uh, you're going to finish the year. And so I finished the year and uh, I was a red shirt. I never played. I just went through four-hour practices mm. and getting beat up on the scout team. And, uh, but continued on and made some pretty good friends. Okay. Um, but then as football season came into the spring, I continued because I was too worried about the coach's perception. And I continued through the spring, got my summer workout, and with no plan of ever returning. And I knew it. Um, but I w- still wanted to go away to school, so I came back and just never picked up the football program again. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, but athletics being such a big part of my life, it had to be filled with something. There was a void, there was a hole, yeah. and I didn't know what I was going to fill it with. What do I do with. now? Yeah. Yeah. So I had met some people uh, who, who drank and entertained themselves with recreational drugs, and I had, the, my freshman year I was playing sports, so I stayed away from it all, all of it. Um, but now filling my time, I thought, okay, let's, let's see what it's all about. And mm. I, I find myself uh, filling that hole and pursuing alcohol, uh, drugs, women. Um, that was the thing that occupied my time. And, and that's the thing I satisfied myself with. Um, the boundaries, is, things that I said I would never do, I went and pursued them. And the lines were blurred and I pursued them as far as I could. But I was inside. You would never know this from the outside. Inside, I was absolutely miserable. Hmm. Um, but outside I was just continuing to pursue these things and, uh, didn't even know that they were consuming me and taking, taking over my life. Hmm. So at what point did you meet Christ and all of that? Yeah. So I was on academic probation. I was on a dorm room probation because of moving into dealing drugs at this point, drinking okay. on campus. That was a, that was a dry campus. And, uh, so this is 1999 now, uh, 2000 actually, and uh, we borrowed a, camp, a camera from the campus, and we were going to film our whole night of drugs and drinking, and mm-hmm. then we were going to just play it for everybody. Sounds like a smart idea. It was a great idea. <laughs> uh, so at the end of this video, and um, this is the moment life changed for me, this young lady came walking across the street, and I can't tell you her name to this day. I've never seen her again, um, but... On the video, we, and excuse the, the graphicness for your audience, we just started 
making out right in the middle of the street. And I'm gone from the camera from that point forward. Hmm. And uh, I'm taking her back to my dorm room. I'm doing what an unsaved uh, drug, alcohol, drug addict, alcoholic does. And I'm taking this young lady who I've never met before back to my dorm room. And she's drunk too. And that's hmm. overwhelmingly apparent. So on the way back, Jesse Armstrong, uh, the Lord's, the one that the Lord used, found me in the hallways. And he sent the young lady home. And he sent me back to my dorm room hmm. and let me sleep. Now, I told you I was on dorm room probation. Hmm. And so last straw, I was going to be out. Okay. He let me sleep. Came back three days later on a Saturday night. And he said, hey, do you, do you want to go to church with me tomorrow? Hmm. And to his face, I said, I laughed and I said, no, I don't. So this guy, Jesse Armstrong, kind of confronted you in the hall and mm -hmm. then invited you to church. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And he asked me if I want to go to church, and I was adamant, no, I don't want to go to church. I actually have no interest, uh, but I will go, and the words out of my mouth, I will go because I owe you one um, for not ratting me out. And so I went, and I sat back in the, the back right of the sanctuary. Um, it was a church just about the size of Ellicott Church, where uh, the Lord has called me to pastor now, mm -hmm. and I sat in the back right, and I had no interest. I did not want to be around the Christians. I knew them, and it was a college church. I saw all those kids around campus. Um, but I wanted to be alone. I was mad. I was frustrated. And uh, the pastor gets up, and I, I don't know what section of scripture he was reading from, if any, um, but he told me about my whole life. Hmm. He told me about being an athlete, because he was an athlete, hmm. and that when that was taken from him, uh, that he filled the void with drinking and drugs, hmm. and that there was no hope, and there was no... Um, freedom in that and I knew it and it and mm. it resonated with me so when after the service I'm crying and I come up and I said who told you about me and he said kid I have no idea who you are but it sounds to me like the Lord is calling you to know him and in that moment broken and crying and weeping I surrendered and life changed in an instant I know that's not the case for everybody for me mm. life changed in a moment that's awesome Josh, thanks so much for sharing. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7. The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier. I have Josh Shiskowski with me. He is our campus pastor in Ellicott. God really graciously blessed us with a campus out there, and Josh is doing a great job. We left off talking about your testimony, Josh, and, and how God led you to church, probably the last place that you thought you'd be uh, in college there in Alamosa, and you trusted Christ uh, as, as your Savior. And then things kind of moving forward from there. I know you got into education, and you became a, a school teacher. Tell us how many years you were a teacher and a bit about your experience as a educator. Yeah, sure. So right after conversion, I knew life had to change. Um, mm. There was absolute conviction from the Holy Spirit and a turn of life. And so everything changed. And I, uh, I turned from everything, from drugs, alcohol. In a moment, I was freed of all of it. Mm. Powerful. But it cost me something as well. And counting the cost is something that I was not ready for. Counting mm. the cost is not something I anticipated. And it cost me friends. Hmm. All of them, with the exception of those weird Christians. 
Um, so I went home for the summer. This was in April of 2000. And then I went home for the summer right back amongst my unbelieving friends at home and unbelieving family. But man, new testimony, light mm. in the darkness. Um, I was unwavering because Christ, it, the, the moment was so real. Mm. Came back to school in the fall and we're planting a church. And they asked me to be the director of hospitality mm. um, right off the bat. And I'm super excited, stoked about my new life in Christ. And so I, I'm all in. But you're going to, being on staff at a church or a volunteer at a church, you're going to see that you're surrounded by sinners still. And that was not something I was prepared hmm. to find. Hmm. And uh, so I, I volunteered for the last two years of college as, a, as the hospitality lead at the Cornerstone Church that we established. Actually, it was called The Peak. Hmm. Um, and, uh, but man, I withdrew from the body. Um, because it was a college church led by college students and I was just disillusioned by the sin. And so I couldn't wait to flee to Colorado Springs when I got a job. Okay. Um, and I kind of abandoned, uh, walking in repentance as well. So, um, my wife, she came up with me. We had lived together in Colorado Springs and, and guess who I ran into when I come to Colorado Springs? all the friends that I had left two years prior huh. and they reintroduced all the same influence that they had before. But this time I'm a Christian and now I'm wrestling back and forth between mm. spirit and flesh. Thankfully I dive into education fully. And, uh, so you're married at this point. I'm not married. Mar not married. At we're, this point. we're getting married in three months. And so we thought, Oh, what does it matter? Okay. Uh, there's, we're getting married anyway. Okay. Um, but, my time is occupied. I mean, new career, don't know what I'm doing. I'm scared, so scared that I just, I spend all my time diving into work. So the influence, it's not there, not participating in it. And I've just dove into to being an educator and being good at it. And uh, one of the aspects of education that I love is I love being around kids. I love establishing relationship with teachers. And I really just had a passion for teaching. Um, and when kids understood when we could get excited about it and have fun and teach. It was just a really wonderful thing. I spent 20 years as a teacher. Um, well, about 20, 2003 to 2017. So I guess 15 years. Um, but one of the aspects of education that I really struggled with was that uh, Christ couldn't be shared. Okay. Yeah. Um, one of the things I really struggled with was the politics of teaching and the burdensome of uh, the burden of it mm. um, just kept like, it felt like spinning your wheels. Lots of hours, tons and tons of hours, lots of hours. They're early, they're late grading on weekends, uh, coaching to find some extra income. It was a lot. And so I was very uh, discontented. Um, and mm. I left education actually three times, mm. uh, over a summer, I found a summer job that was part-time with promise of a full-time career, and it just never panned out. They said, oh, the full-time position wasn't coming. Hmm. And so each fall, I found myself back in the classroom, wading through, going through the motions. By, by this time, by the time I'm discontented, 2009, 2010, I've been teaching for about seven years. I've got the routine. I, hmm. can, I, can, I can lesson plan easier. I can pull something out of the file cabinet, and we can, we can go. Um, I believe I was called to teach the word, hmm. but there had been no opportunity. Yeah. Um, but I was actually sitting in the back left 
corner of the sanctuary in here at Rocky Mountain Calvary. And this is at least what I thought you said, but you probably didn't say it was just the Holy Spirit uh, said that um, your ministry is wherever the Lord has placed you. Hmm. And um, I remember just taking that to heart that hmm. I did not have to be discontent anymore, that I could pursue ministry hmm. where I was teaching. Yeah. And I just dove into it and I was going to be the best teacher I could be. Hmm. And I was going to share the gospel in teaching and then just let the consequences fall where they may. Um, and that, so that's where ministry began for me. Um, and then I was started in a, a Bible study here at Rocky Mountain on a Tuesday night. And it was called The Man Who Makes a Difference. Yeah, I remember and, that, yeah. Yeah, Les Berry was teaching. Mm -hmm. And he couldn't teach every week, so he had asked me, uh, hey, will you teach on, on nights that I can't? Well, I can just give it to you and you prep and you'll teach. And I said, yeah, sure, I can do that. And it went really well and uh, had a lot of fun doing it. And so That's when you first started teaching the Word. <laughs> yeah. Teaching a book study. We weren't actually in the Word. Okay. We were just supplementing it with the okay. Word at this yeah. point. But I mean... I thought I had been called to teach the word. I'm committed to being a good teacher at school. And now I'm getting this opportunity of Bible study. So I go to the men's ministry lead at the time. And his name's Dan Hooker. He's still on staff. Yeah. And I said, Dan, I can teach Bible studies for you. And don't worry, I'm already a teacher. And <laughs> you don't have to train me. I, yeah. can, I, can, I can just do it. I'll, I'll be good. And he goes, okay. And in typical Dan Hooker fashion, he, he walked away. <laughs> and, and, uh, and it was humbling. I was like, well, why? Well, why did you, you say yes? Yeah. You don't have to train me. You, yeah. I'm not a novice here. I'm a pro, man. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I, didn't, I didn't hear from Dan again. And, and I just thought, okay, not, not for me. And uh, a few weeks later, Eric Sahai approached me and asked, heard he was, that I had been interested in teaching the word and that I needed to go through discipleship. I needed to be trained to do so. And he gave me this stack of books, uh, <laughs> leadership as an identity, li life together. Uh, I, I still remember these books cause I looked at them for like three months and never touched them. Uh, but I was still going through this discipleship training with him, but I was like, I don't even need those books. I'll figure it out. Um, so he started discipling myself and another guy to teach through Daniel hmm. on Tuesday nights with the men. Tough start book of Daniel. <laughs> yeah, well, it was a tough start. First six chapters are all historical, as you know. And yeah. I would, uh, well, I would spend from four o'clock after school to six o'clock that night studying. Mm. And then I would come teach it that night. And that was about all the time I had committed to the book of Daniel was two hours before the study. You know, I'm a professional teacher. <laughs> I can plan on a whim and I can just knock it out of the park. So... We're alternating me and this other guy for the first six weeks, and, and uh, I'm week one, three, and five, and it's all historical. And he's teaching two, four, and six, all historical. You can look it up. You can find information. Week seven comes, and now we in, we're introduced to the, to the four beasts. <laughs> and remember, I haven't allotted a lot of time here. I've given four o'clock to six o'clock day of. Yeah. And... Uh, I wasn't going to get it, and I knew I wasn't going to get it. So I did. The only logical thing when you haven't prepped, I quit, and, and I stopped going. And I decided, well, obviously I was wrong. Teaching the Word 
was not for me. It's not what I was called to. And so I decided to pursue education fully and just advance in my career there and leave these thoughts of Bible study behind. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. We got Josh Jostowski with us. Stay with us. We're going to hear more about his journey of God calling him as a pastor right here on 100.7 The Word. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. Thanks so much for listening. Hopefully you're doing well, that you're not caught in traffic uh, this afternoon. Josh Shaskowski is with me. He is our campus pastor out in Ellicott, and he was just sharing uh, his journey becoming a pastor, was teaching the book of Daniel. You get to the tough sec- section and decide to quit, and 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 that was it in your mind, and, and that that's where we went to break. But we know that's not it, because... Now you're pastoring. So what happened in the interim? That's right. So the Lord, this is, the Lord is so gracious. Uh, I quit. I, I wasn't to be a pastor anymore. So, but I still wanted to be a disciple of Christ. So I, okay. I went back. Which to is school. the important thing. Amen. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I went back to school and I'm still committed to be the best teacher I can be, but now I have to progress because like, well, I'm not going to stay in the classroom forever. There's that discontentment piece of it um, yeah. that it's just not where I'm called to be. So I am a teacher and I'm going to college. I'm getting my master's degree so that I can become a principal. I'm doing both at the same time. And I finish my master's degree and then I go to school of discipleship and here at Rocky Mountain Calvary. And I spend two years there as a, as a disciple and I'm still working at the school. And um, when I finish school of discipleship, I become a principal. That's the goal, right? That's the dream. That's what God has for me. Yeah. And uh, I spent one year as a principal. Um, it was not that the work was too overwhelming, but the, the sacrifice was too great. And I didn't, I didn't realize it. I thought I'd counted the cost this time, but, but I hadn't. Um, I was going to school, to the school. I was arriving about 6 a.m. Um, every day. So I'd leave my house around 5 in the morning because I worked in, out of town. Um, I'd kiss my kids goodbye. I'd kiss my wife goodbye, but they were all still asleep. Mm. And then I'd get home. I'd leave the school about 10 PM and wow. I would get home around 11 o'clock and I would kiss my kids goodnight and they were asleep. Mm. And so I would probably go Monday through Saturday without seeing my kids. And then I'd go do a wow. football game on Saturday, do a basketball game on Saturday. Right still spending all my time there and the workload was immense. So I could work all day. So I would work all day Saturday as well. Wow. The day I got to see my kids was on Sundays and, uh, Hmm. I was just overwhelmed and so tired. Yeah. So tired. So I went to talk to, uh, Dan Hooker again, who's, who's been instrumental in my life. And, and he asked me point blank and I I appreciate his honesty and his bluntness when he talks to you. Yeah. He said, Josh, do you want to be the greatest uh, principal ever, or do you want to be the best dad ever? Hmm. And uh, I didn't really have to wrestle with that question. The answer is obvious, but hmm. you wrap your identity in things that don't matter, and they they put in roots, and you really think that this is what you want. Or, well, if I'm not a principal, if I'm not going to be this thing that I've always committed to, what am I going to be? Hmm. Um, so I went. I had finally decided. All right, 
I'm resigning and I had gotten a position that would start in the summer at a landscaping company. I mean, that's my real passion, right? I want to be a landscaper and I want to be training people to mow, mow yards. That's what I want. <laughs> uh-huh. So I go and talk to the, to the assistant superintendent. And this is a Friday. And she's a Christian. She's one of the only Christians I work with. And she says, wow, you've only been doing this one year. And I said, I know. And she said, and it sounds right. So good luck. Hmm. And uh, very, uh, very supportive, very encouraging. And uh, she died that night. Really? She got in an accident on, uh, on Woodman Road, got hit by a, hmm. by a car. And man, I, I had just shared with her, I had freedom and, and I get a call that, that she's passed away. Wow. And it was impactful. Yeah. Um, and I hadn't told anybody yet. She had had my letter of resignation. She had everything and it was on her, on her plate. And so I went through school that week, kind of disillusioned. And the next Friday, another young man that I had taught got in a car accident. Hmm. And he was hit by a drunk driver and he died hmm. the very next week. And man, when you're dealing with this trauma in the school, you're, you're the one that's taking care of all the students and all the staff. And, and so it's weighing on me heavily. And we come back to school the next week and then another young man from our school commits suicide. Uh, and I am overwhelmed to say the least. Mm. So it's Friday, two weeks later, and I come into RMC. This is my home church and I just attend and I don't know what was on my face. But Sean Rafferty met me in the, in the lobby hmm. and he said, what is going on? He could see it. And I just wept. Hmm. Um, it, he pastored me, Dan hmm. pastored me, you've pastored me. And as I was pastored, cared for, as I was just on this journey that the Lord had me calling me from place to place, training me, equipping me, discipling me allowing me to go through hardship and struggle, he brought me to this place of understanding what pastoring meant. Hmm. It wasn't throwing together a sermon two hours before, uh, although there is that sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It wasn't uh, just fulfilling a job and being task-oriented. It was all the parts I loved about teaching, being with people, sharing yeah. the good news, entering into sorrow and grief and walking with them, not having answers but crying with them, suffering with them. And, yeah. Uh, and it's right at this point that we approached you about being our high school youth pastor. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, I took the summer came as a principal. You have to spend an extra two weeks. So I got off June 15th and I took two weeks off to be, uh, to just be on vacation. Yeah. I didn't go anywhere. I just slept. Hmm. I remember just sleeping and, uh, and then I started on July 5th at the landscaping company. And ironically enough, I was the only one there because everybody took vacation. Right. It was Fourth of July week. <laughs> yeah. So me and the new hires were there and uh, the new HR person. And they said, well, find something to do. <laughs> so I spent all week finding stuff to do. And I came in on Sunday and I came and talked to you down in front. You might yeah, remember it. I do. And I uh, said, man, life is just a mess. Mm. And I just need prayer. Yeah. And uh, so you prayed with me as, as you often have. And, uh, and we 
just kind of talked about the challenges of life. And, and it was at that point you said, hey, well, we've been talking. Would you, would you consider being our youth pastor? Hmm. Or consider applying to be our youth pastor? Hmm. The, I thought, man, it would be awesome to start tomorrow, but <laughs> I wasn't called to that. But I remember crying. Hmm. Not in your presence, of course. Hmm. Um, but being thankful hmm. that uh, the Lord would give me another opportunity. Hmm. Humbled that the Lord would give me another opportunity. And uh, just excited about it. Um, yeah. But the position wasn't there. It wasn't offered. It was, would you consider praying about becoming our youth pastor? And, and man, I knew the Lord was calling me. I knew. 20 years earlier, wow. the Lord was calling me, but there was this waiting mm. and this waiting and me laying hold of it myself. There was this mm. waiting and me quitting on the, on the things the Lord had called me to and saying, not for me. It was never going to happen in my time. Mm. Although I thought I could make it happen in my time. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, come September 13th, September 14th. Good memory. Uh, well, Pastor Robert offers me the position of youth pastor. And then uh, the next night, I'm sharing my joy with this guy I'm mentoring. And, uh, and then I take some aspirin, and I'm allergic to aspirin, and I wind up in the hospital. Oh, I remember day. that, too. Yeah, yeah, that's how I remember the that date. That was your journey beginning as a youth pastor. Yeah. I've got Josh Jaskowski with me, our campus pastor in Ellicott. Stay with us. We're going to be right back. Where I talk a talk that I don't walk and miss the moments right before my eyes. Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, on 100.7. The Word. Good God Almighty, I hope you'll find me. Praising your name no matter what comes. Welcome back to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. Really enjoying my conversation today with Josh Jaskowski. He is our campus pastor in Ellicott. And he spent a, a good amount of time with us uh, as our high school youth pastor, probably four, four or five years, four years as a high school pastor. And then God opened the door for you to be the campus pastor out in Ellicott. Our Ellicott campus just hit four years or five years, five years, man. I'm just off on all my timetables here. <laughs> so five years th- this year. So tell us a little bit about Ellicott, like first where it is and then what, what's God doing at the campus out there? Sure. So Ellicott is not too far from Colorado Springs. It's, it's 15 minutes east, um, but th- there is no Ellicott. So there's Calhan um, and that is the post office number for Ellicott. But talk to anybody in Ellicott. There is no Calhan down there. It's Ellicott. It's the town of Ellicott. <laughs> Take Highway 94 towards Kansas, that terrible road. And uh, when you get to Ellicott Highway, you go north, and we're about two and a half miles up. And we've, the Lord has just planted this, this growing, vibrant, loving little church uh, mm. on the front range. And uh, it's just an exciting, 
thing to see what he's doing out there. And I just wanted to share with you that uh, when I think of the work the Lord is doing in Ellicott, and I, I wrote it down because uh, I want to read it, because he takes me to Isaiah 41, um, which is the Lord's assurance hmm. to the help of Israel. And this is what I think of when I think of Ellicott. Uh, Isaiah 41, verses 17 through 20, tells us, The poor and needy seek water, but there is none. Their tongues fail for thirst. I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers in desolate heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. I will plant in the wilderness the cedar and the acacia tree, the myrtle and the oil tree. I will set in the desert the cypress tree and the pine and the box tree together, that they may see and know and consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this, and the Holy One of Israel has created it. Hmm. If you've spent any time in Ellicott, really describes it, yeah. You know the most important resource is water. Hmm. they don't have access to city water. Everything's groundwater. And as the population increases, the aquifers are drying up. Hmm. And it describes not only the physical state that Ellicott has grown into as it gets bigger, but the spiritual state that I believe, and I wasn't there prior. And so this is just pure speculation, but the spiritual state that the land was in until the word of God goes like living water. Yeah. And amen. Gives yeah. new life. And, and we see all these trees growing together in this box together. And people come from all different walks of life in Ellicott. There is those who have been there for decades together. Mm. And this is their parents uh, grew up there and their grandparents grew up there and they're attending this little church. And then there are those who have moved from California and have, got their little plot of land because they're tired of the city and want to be in the country. Right. And then there's those from Colorado Springs who are moving for some solitude east. Yeah. And God has planted them all together. And as he grows us, it's through the living water. Um, Jesus says in John seven thirty seven and 38, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And... That is what we're seeing in Ellicott, uh, that the hand of the Lord mm. has done this and the Holy One of Israel has created it. That's really what I sense is God's heart out there too, is, is it is a dry and thirsty land, but even more so dry and thirsty souls. And God really is pouring out living water. And it's been awesome to see God birth the Ellicott campus. And one thing that's fun for us in our campus model is you you teach. It's not a satellite campus where there's a screen, not that there's anything wrong with that, but we really felt led for there to be a campus pastor that's loving and teaching the word. So we get to teach through books of the Bible together. I mean, right now we're both teaching the same sections of scripture with Luke. I, I don't know about you, but coming up to Luke chapter five this weekend is a, is a lot of verses to cover in one weekend. But uh, so it's a little unique of a campus model because you're teaching and you're pastoring mm. and, uh, and how do you like that? I mean, you know, I'm sure in Ellicott, uh, it would be pretty difficult for people to gravitate to a screen campus. Yeah. Uh -huh. Um, 
the only word I can use to describe it is the same word that describes my entire walk with the Lord. And it's, it's thankfulness. Mm -hmm. Um, because one of the things that I loved about teaching was the teaching. Mm. One of the things I love about the word is teaching the word. Yeah. But the, the greatest part, whether in education or as a pastor is being around people Yeah, and ministering to people and seeing people. And, uh, as the Lord has grown me, I really want to be a pastor. Hmm. I really want to not just be a teacher, but care for people as the Lord has called me. And, and you don't get that through a screen. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, the word of God goes out in power and the Holy Spirit attends his word because he's faithful. Yeah. And it doesn't return void. And we know those things. And, but people need to be cared for. And, um, I'm thankful that I have the opportunity to, to, be with people, to care for people, to enter into their suffering like so many had entered into my suffering mm. um, and pastored me along the way. Um, the Lord has given me tremendous models, none greater than Jesus, who that's always right. saw people. the one who was needy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So where is Ellicott Campus located? How can people find it? Yeah, we are located at 2150 North Ellicott Highway. Uh, we're the, the white church on the road, fresh paint soon. Um, and come on a Sunday, the parking lot will be full. Yeah. But you can park in, in the weeds with the rest of us. <laughs> Security will uh, direct you around and the body of believers is excited to welcome you as we study through God's word together. And you're right, Luke chapter five, a lot of verses in one week, but uh, going to be like drinking through a fire hose in keeping with that idea of water. <laughs> yeah, that, that's awesome. If you want to learn more too, you can go to our website, armcalvary.org, and there's a link there to the Ellicott campus and watch some teachings that Josh has done. And Josh, I just want to say a thank you for, for several things. And and first and foremost, thank, thank you for loving Jesus. Thank you for being faithful to his call uh, on, your, on your life. You have a beautiful family, uh, your wife, Jesse and your two kids and, and your willingness as a family to step into uh, God's call. It's been really fun to hear your road to becoming a pastor. Mm. You know, God's really had his hand on you from the dorms in Alamosa to going to church to the first time and getting saved and, mm. and being born again. And then your years of education and your heart is so uh, soft uh, b- before the Lord. And I hope everybody listening today is just encouraged because we're all on a road with Jesus and maybe mm. someone listening doesn't know Jesus. They can turn to Christ and thankfully Jesus forgives sinners and, Amen. and he redeems our lives. And for those that know the Lord, you know, we're all in different places and, and God's equipping and equipping us by uh, his grace. So thanks so much for taking the time to come and be on the show. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate it. Um, if I, if I could share just one last thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we close. Um, the body in Ellicott has been growing and that the Lord sent Rich out to, to plant the church and RJ's running the youth pastor as the youth pastor out there. And the Lord is establishing it. And we are hopeful to, to start looking outward and sending our first missionaries out and mm. sending our first teams out on missionary trips in 2023. And just excited about what the Lord's doing that, that not only is he, giving living water, but it's starting to splash out all over the place. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for listening to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. 
go your way knowing that your love with the Lord, that he's with you and that he is ever present in your life. So have a great night. Thanks for listening. Are never enough. Then you came along. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.